doesn't want self-confidence? That undeniable feeling of being assured in your own capabilities. When you have it, anything is possible. But when it's gone, the world can be a very, very scary place. This is The Good Seed Will Grow. My name is Catherine Murphy and I have absolutely no qualifications on this topic. But what I do have is experience. I've gone through it. I've had the inability to even get a sentence out for fear of being wrong. But I've also grown the personal assurance of knowing exactly what I'm doing and that I'm doing it well, along with being every single mixed emotion in between too. And this growth has only come about through life, from pushing myself and experiencing things that have allowed me and truly taught me to grow. And for the most part, I didn't even realise it at the time. So here I am, age 22, finally piecing together the journey that brought me and my self-confidence to the present day. Throughout my childhood and teenage years, self-confidence was not a thing that I possessed. I was good at sports, which gave me a bit of self-belief, but other than that, I was very middle of the road. A bit socially anxious and awkward, but happier on my close friends. I wasn't uncomfortable in my own skin, but I definitely wanted to be more than what I was. Or more so more than what I was perceived to be. A quiet, shy person who just sort of floated along in the background. This is until Tuesday... 15th of December 2015 at 10.45am. I was in sixth year in school and we were given a presentation that ultimately introduced me to the thing that would change my self-confidence forever. They explained they were from the Edmund Rice camps, a volunteer summer camp run by young adults aged 17 to 24, aimed at providing a week or two of fun for primary school kids from disadvantaged backgrounds in the north inner city. The kids got to attend the camp completely for free and most importantly it was run off of a one-to-one ratio where there was a leader to look after each child. Immediately, I was hooked on the idea. It seemed crazy that something so remarkable and exciting existed just a couple of minutes down the road and I'd never heard of it. I signed up to attend an open evening, but so did about 40 other people. Internally, I was devastated. There was no way they'd be able to take all of us, and I was sure I wouldn't make the cut when compared to some of my classmates. A telling sign of my self-confidence at the time, I guess. However, when the opening evening came around, no one actually seemed that interested in going, and somehow there was not a single person from my year there. Somehow, out of 40 people, I was the only one who turned up. I was absolutely terrified. But I've been thankful every day since that I took that leap and went anyway. After an informal interview, it was time for my first training meeting. Chaotic, (laughs) to say the least. Everyone stood around in a circle and they started singing these songs. Stupid, silly songs, but clearly ones the kids would absolutely love. And as soon as one song finished, another person would jump in and start singing. I was in shock. In shock at how someone could just have the confidence to dance and sing about to this silly kid song in front of about 50 people, half of which they didn't even know. And I just stood there thinking, I want to be that person. I want to have that confidence because that was the most alien thing to the person I was at the time. But the person I wanted to be would have leapt about and sung at the top of her lungs, even though she doesn't have a musical note in her body. But I'd never had that opportunity before, and suddenly, here it was. And as the meetings continued, we were also educated further on the belief system behind the camps. While they were associated with the Christian brothers, it was their ethos, the ethos of Edmund Rice, that the camps follow that every child is cared for, fed, and sheltered regardless of their circumstances. 
The title of this documentary, The Good Seed Will Grow, is a quote from Edmund Rice that's at the core of what the camps aim to achieve. By giving these kids and young leaders this safe and loving space, a seed of good will be planted in them, and through their actions, this goodness will grow and continue on the work of Edmund Rice to create a more just, equal and caring world. Before I knew it, it was time for my first week of camp. It was crazy. Mental. Working with these kids who were constantly on the go, and quite frankly, trying to push your buttons. But it was so rewarding. And immediately, even just over the course of the first day, I started to grow and evolve from the shy person I was to someone who could face any challenge and deal with it instantly. The best part about it was that it wasn't just me starting to believe in myself. So did the coordinators who ran the camp. And so, on the Wednesday of my first week, I was made a day leader. This meant that me and a returning leader were basically in charge of keeping the day moving. The coordinators had put everything in place, but we were given the responsibility to make it happen. It was a huge challenge, and with a huge amount of pressure. But through the unwavering support of everyone around us, it was beyond doable. And feeling that immediate respect and trust everyone gives you as a day leader, it's hard not to feel good about yourself. And what struck me most about the Edmund Rice camps was how mutually beneficial they were. The kids were getting a safe and nurturing place to spend two weeks of their summer, and we were getting to experience responsibility and independence that grew from the collective doing of something that was inherently good. That first summer of the Eddie camps built my confidence up an exponential amount. It skyrocketed, and I still can't fully explain it. I guess it was just me being allowed to truly be me for probably the first time in my life. I knew myself who I was, but I needed the right place to learn how to show it. The following summer, as well as being a leader, I was given the additional responsibility of being a head of sport. Something I wasn't expecting, but was massively proud of. And so, through this new responsibility and being able to support and help the new leaders that came in, my confidence continued to grow. I became more assured of myself and my abilities to help guide and even just befriend all these new people, be it leaders or kids. And having them respect you, to earn their respect, especially from young kids who think they rule the world. It's just a really empowering feeling. The Eddie Camps aren't just a Dublin thing. They take place in five other places around the country too. And spending a week in the Kilkenny camp that summer was probably the peak of my self-confidence to that point in my life. I knew I was a good leader in Dublin, but to go somewhere where I only knew two other people and slot in effortlessly, I had never felt so utterly assured of myself. It just reaffirmed all the self-confidence that I'd grown through the Dublin camps. My third year in the Edmund Rice camps was special because it meant I could take a step up and take on more responsibility by applying to be a coordinator. Cowards are the people who run and organise camp for the year, and there was nothing I wanted as bad as being more involved in the Eddie camps. And after a lengthy application process and an interview, I was awarded the role, alongside three other girls, for Camp 2018. My job in particular was finance, meaning I was responsible for looking after the camp debit card, booking trips and buses, lodging all the money we fundraised, and handling the petty cash, along with other more general jobs too. I went into the year with a lot of positivity. How could I not? I'd been involved in this incredible organisation for two years and now I was being allowed to get even more involved. And genuinely it was great for about the first four months or so. But then the pressure started building as we got closer and closer to the weeks of camp. And I think being a group of four girls had quite an impact on that. 
There's no doubt that we are the right people to be picked for the job. I feel fairly confident saying that we are the most productive cohorts the campus ever had. But it also came with its difficulties. When it came to communicating our opinions or grievances, sometimes we didn't do it in the most tactful way, or we didn't explain ourselves fully. Sometimes it felt like if you didn't put the right emoji on the end of a message, you were suddenly being rude or mean. Or I'd be utterly convinced that someone hated me just because they'd been very short with their answer to my question. And I'd be dreading seeing them at the next meeting for fear they were angry at me. Which was just ridiculous, because of course, this was rarely, if ever, the case. And any mistakes I did make, and I made plenty over the course of the year, no matter how big or small they were, I would constantly overthink them. And this brought about a new level of self-doubt that I had never experienced before. And while I was spending all this time anxiously overthinking everything, I still had to get on with the rest of my life outside of camp. I was in second year of college, I was working part-time, I was playing football, I was involved in a youth club and college societies, and I also volunteered one day a week in a community radio station. Add on to that at least two camp meetings a week, maybe even up to four, and it was a lot. I have this distinct memory of sitting on the bus on the way home from college and it feeling incredibly weird, and I just couldn't figure out why. Then I realised that it was the first time in probably close to a month that I was actually going straight home after class. I didn't have football, I didn't have anything to do with societies, and I didn't even have a camp meeting. I was just getting the bus home at 4pm, and it felt absurd. I was just so busy all the time. And I think that's a large part of why my self-confidence dipped so much at this point. Those summer months were without a doubt the most anxiety-filled time of my life. I still had an amount of self-confidence, but it was almost like it was being suffocated. Mostly by my own self-doubt. Being so unsure all the time. Just constantly living in such a state of unsure. About whether I was doing the right thing, whether someone was angry at me for something, or whether I was even just being a good person. And when it got to the week at camps, everything I thought I knew about them was different. I was seeing it from a whole other perspective and with a whole other responsibility. Leaders get involved, but coordinators observe and problem solve. They make sure that everything is going as smooth as possible within the controlled chaos that the eddy camps are. So just having to deal with this thing that I thought I knew inside out differently and approach it in a whole other way, I still enjoyed it, but... It wasn't the Eddie camps that I knew. Despite any struggles or differences that we had amongst our team, there was no doubt that that was, in fact, what we were. A team. And when I turned 21 during the first week of camp, there is no other team in the world I'd rather spend it with. Most people spend their 21st getting drunk with their friends. I spent mine getting 50 kids and leaders to and from Leisureplex Kulak on public transport. Not an easy feat, as it would turn out. It was easily our most challenging day as coordinators, but how they dealt with it while also trying to give me the best possible birthday is something I will cherish forever. And I think that really sums up the Edmund Rice camps. Despite all the mayhem that's going on around leaders, be it a kid they just can't control, or even just in their personal lives, as soon as they see that they are needed, they will be there, regardless of their exhaustion, regardless of the challenge, and regardless of who it is. 
Overall, though, I can't deny that the summer ended on a bit of a sour note for me. It was no one person or thing that caused it, but I think it stemmed from the exhaustion. And then add in the mix of uncertainty, anxiety, and the balance to be constantly doing the right thing. Even when not everyone always agreed on what the right thing was. It just all got to me. Maybe it was because I was the youngest or the least experienced in the team, but it was a whole lot of emotions that I just did not know how to deal with. And quite frankly, these feelings stayed with me for months after the summer ended. And I knew that as I was progressing in college and trying to figure out my career, the best thing for me was to cut as much of this stress and anxiety out of my life as possible. And so, after that summer coordinating in 2018, I decided that it was going to be the end of my time with the Edmund Rice Camps Dublin. But despite any of this, regardless of how that particular summer made me feel, I will forever be grateful for the Edmund Rice Camps. I can categorically say, without even a shadow of doubt, the Eddie Camps shaped who I am today. When I was in that first training meeting, aspiring to jump around and sing, a couple months later I was able to become that person. And in the following years I was able to help other people become that person. The Eddie Camps instilled in me a self-confidence that I could never have found otherwise, and one that I don't think will ever leave me. While I was finished with the Edmund Rice Camps in Dublin, I still had one more adventure to go on with them. To Calcutta, India. It came about at an interesting time for me. I decided to go on this trip the previous November when I had just been made a coordinator and was so desperate to be more involved in camp. But as the summer transpired and I went through all the emotions of coordinating, to have this other camp-related thing looming in the future was daunting. I was absolutely still looking forward to going, but I was definitely questioning my ability as a leader a lot more than I would have expected a year before. The aim of the project was to go over to Kolkata in the northeast of India and assist alumni of a Christian Brothers school with setting up their own Edmund Rice camps. We weren't trying to bring the Irish camps to them, but aid them in using the same ethos to develop their own version within the Indian culture. We were going for 12 days, but we put months of work and a lot of money into making it happen. First we flew to Dubai, then to Kolkata. The plane journey was remarkable enough with its length, but it was the 30 minute drive from the airport that was the most extraordinary. We picked a really unique time to visit India, right at the end of the festival season. And so as we drove through the streets of Kolkata that evening, it was truly crazy. Music and lights coming at you from all angles, statues and shrines everywhere, adorned with the finest flowers and surrounded by people dressed in the most lavish traditional clothing. Overwhelming in every sense. While we were there, we were staying in a boys' secondary school called St. Joseph's, part of the Edmund Rice Network. It was the young alumni and senior students from this school that would be helping us run the camp. And while they paid to attend the school, these fees for the most part actually went into running a free school across the lane, St. George's, where the majority of the students' families couldn't even afford a home, never mind an education. So it was these three children that we would be taking in to attend the camp, and hopefully giving them three days of carefree fun that they would never get to experience otherwise. 
The first part of our trip was spent getting ourselves properly immersed in the rich Indian culture. We attended religious festivals, visited shrines, and spent the rest of our time being surrounded by incredible amounts of song and dance, an intrinsic part of their national identity, something they display with fierce pride. After getting the chance to fully understand the Indian culture, it was time for the actual Edmund Rice camp to take place in the Hall of St. Joseph's. Initially, I was scared. I'd been very reserved and felt I hadn't connected with the alumni like the rest of our group did. So how was I supposed to connect with these kids who could hardly even speak English? It was terrifying, especially with the year I'd had in camp. As coordinators, we didn't really get a chance to interact and spend time with the kids like we had previous years. So it felt foreign. It felt like something I didn't know how to do anymore, even though I'd had so much experience. But I was wrong, and I was so glad to be wrong. It just flooded back to me, instantly. Despite any self-doubts about my capabilities as a coordinator, deep down, I was still a great leader. And the fact that, just like at home, I was able to make a proper, genuine connection with these kids was the ultimate reward. To see the change and growth in them over three short days it almost felt like I was being revalidated. That I was able to do this. And I was good at it too. I think it really helped in unsouring my experience with the Edmund Rice Camps at home. That everything from my first two years at camp wasn't a lie. I wasn't a fraud. Just because I didn't enjoy or thrive coordinating as much as I did just being a leader. Everything sort of remade sense again. The main organiser of our trip to India was Brother Chris, the national coordinator of the Irish camps. And while he is a Christian brother, he is the furthest thing from any of the negative stories you may have heard. He is one of the most genuine and caring people I've ever had the pleasure to work with. And he definitely played a massive part in this unsouring. He had seen me grow from that first training meeting I went to. He saw me evolve over the first two summers, even in the camp in Kilkenny. And he was with us each step of the way coordinating. And I think he knew I was doubting myself in that role. But during our time in Calcutta, he was able to reassure me that while I had had negative moments during my time coordinating, that didn't take away from all the good that I'd done and the incredible experience that I'd helped put together for both the kids and the leaders. I really valued Brother Chris on that trip. He really made everything I knew about myself and how I related to the Edmund Rice camps realign. He helped me mellow out all those negative feelings I had had. And this trip will stay with me forever. And so will St. Joseph's and all its students and alumni that we worked so closely with. One of which I can still call a genuine friend a year and a half later. The Indian people are incredible. And I will forever be grateful for that opportunity. Because it perfectly rounded out and rounded off my experience with the Edmund Rice Camps. After finishing things off with the Eddie Camps, I now had a completely free summer for the first time in years. I'd only ever heard positive things about working in camps in America, and so decided that that would be my next big adventure. So, for summer 2019, I packed my very heavy bags 
and went to work in a residential summer camp in upstate New York, Silver Lake. I went over fully expecting to have the best summer of my life. All the promise was there. I'd be looking after 11 and 12 year old girls, the age group that I wanted, and I'd also be teaching radio classes during the day, sharing with the kids the thing I loved most and listening to good, loud music in the sun. Literally nothing sounded better, and not for a second was I worried. I then quickly realised that these kids were different. While the kids from the Eddie camps were quite rough and tumble and loved our attention, these kids were the complete opposite. As the high expense to attend the camp suggested, they came from very wealthy families. The last thing they wanted was my attention, and they were not always fond of listening or being respectful. Finding the balance between keeping on top of them and allowing them the freedom to simply enjoy camp was near impossible. Immediately, despite my deepest efforts, we began to clash and it felt like at no point was I ever winning the battle. And this wasn't helped by the sheer exhaustion. It was constant. We were working six days a week with sometimes only 50 minutes off each day, which was also our only time to shower or call home. The days were never ending, and so was my frustration and doubt. This wasn't to say there were no positives, though. Most of the highlights of my summer took place in the radio shack. At the beginning, I felt like I was bluffing my way through lessons, but as I learned to be flexible and work with what the kids wanted to do, it became massively enjoyable. And while I didn't connect with the kids as much as I would have liked, the bond between all the counsellors was something so genuine and pure, and I'm very grateful for that. There was also a lot of fun had in our day off each Saturday, always spent hungover and most likely by a large body of water. It was a long three months though, and I was very eager to get home. But then, as soon as I was home and people started asking me how my summer was, I couldn't help but automatically say it was great, even though it wasn't. It was fine, it was better than working in Dublin for the summer, but I almost felt ashamed to admit that it wasn't perfect. Pretty much everyone else I knew had had the best summer of their lives working in America, and I felt like it was my own fault that I hadn't. And while I didn't agree with absolutely every aspect of how Silver Lake was run, I could see its appeal, why it was endearing to so many. felt like I was seeing it from the outside. Like I was never quite a full part of it. And despite their difficult behaviour too, I had thrived with the kids in the Eddie camps. So why was Silver Lake so different?
played in my mind a lot for the months after I got back. And finally, after a lot of thinking and genuine processing, not just of that summer, but of the last couple of years of my life, I finally started to make sense of why Silverlight didn't have the same impact on me as it did others. I'd already experienced the epitome of camp atmospheres. The Edmund Rice camps, both in Dublin and Kolkata, had already given me everything I could ask for from a summer camp. Every emotion, every experience, every reward. Through my time there, I changed fundamentally as a person, and so nothing will ever come close to that experience for me. But to these other people, this was their eddy camps. It was all they knew, and to them it was their epitome. Realising this finally allowed me to relax a bit, and become okay with the fact that Silver Lake wasn't everything to me, simply because I've been fortunate enough to experience something even greater. And so here I am, age 22, at a steady place. My self-confidence is neither high nor low, and I'm very okay with that, because I know how much worse off I could be. I was very fortunate to encounter the exact experience I needed at just the right time in my life to have that good self-confidence seed planted in me. And if I hadn't have gone to that open evening on my own, or jumped at the chance to go to India, or even shipped myself off to America, I would have never had the opportunity to let it grow. And it still grows. It always will. But only through life and experience. You need to feed a plant seed for it to grow. And from what I've learned, the seed isn't any different. The Good Seed Will Grow was presented and produced by Catherine Murphy and was a school media production for TU Dublin.